boys and girls and welcome to episode 214 of the motorcycle men podcast and another interview episode for your listening pleasure as always the motorcycle men podcast is brought to you by tobacco motorware hey for the best in american made kevlar line selvage riding jeans shirts jackets graphic tees and accessories you gotta go to tobacco motorware at tobaccomotorware.com and there you tell dave and the crew that the motorcycle men sent you there's a special link just for Motorcycle Men listeners who want to order from Tobacco Motorware in the show notes and on the Motorcycle Men website homepage. Or you can call them at 747-666-5741 and tell Dave and the crew that the Motorcycle Men sent you. And make sure you use that coupon code MOTOMEN when ordering. And Scorpion Helmets. Hey, for the last 15 years, Scorpion EXO has been dedicated to offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. For some of the world's best helmets and apparel designers spend countless hours developing and testing Scorpion EXO products to ensure that each and every Scorpion EXO helmet and garment will surpass user expectations. So to learn more, you visit scorpionusa.com and Shinko Tires. Hey, whether if you're riding a sport bike, scooter, off-road bike, dual sport, or cruiser, even if it's a Harley-Davidson, Shinko has a tire to suit your riding style without breaking your bank account. So if it's time for tires for your bike, think of Shinko. Go to ShinkoTireUSA.com and make sure you tell them the Motorcycle Men podcast sent you. The Motorcycle Men podcast is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. If you would like to help and be a part of something that actually makes a difference, donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. You go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will be in the show notes. Now, hey, as you know, the Motorcycle Men supports all of our men and women in uniform and any organization that works, aids, and attends to the needs of our veterans. Our guest today tells us about the Gold Star Ride Foundation, which, which helps the families of fallen veterans. Anthony Price joins me in the V-Twin Cafe and tells us some heartwarming stories and what they do for these veteran families. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. This is episode two, I don't know, 14? Yeah, 214. And joining me all the way from, you said Minneapolis, right? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mr. Anthony Price, the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation. Anthony, welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on. I am glad you can make it. Now, you're going to enlighten us, the entire world, about what the Gold Star Foundation is and all that. But how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's kind of the end of another very busy day. All of my days are very busy. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you volunteer. Oh, you, so you this end is up, a volunteer job. Yes, I'm a volunteer for the Gold Star Ride Foundation. I oh. volunteered to be the executive director. Actually, I didn't volunteer for that part. I volunteered to be the secretary. And then the other board members nominated me. Oh, and so I they was went like here. It's for you. I became the executive director as well. Oh, wow. Uh, what that basically means is I get to do all the motorcycle riding. I get to talk to all the Gold Star families. I get to do all the podcasts and television news interviews and 
Okay. Uh, and I also get to be the one who hears the gets to read the rejection letters from the corporate sponsors. <laughs> okay. Do you ride? Uh, hear by a the lot way, of door slam in my face. Oh and stuff god. Like that. Yeah, I, that's. I, I believe me. I've had that. Now, before we begin, do you ride? Of course, I ride. Okay. Yes. I ride a lot. What do you? What do? You, what, oh, okay. I ride well, a lot. What do you? What do you ride? I ride a. I'm currently on an 11 year old. Actually, uh, Harley Davidson released their 2020 models last week, so yeah. I ride a 12 year old uh, Ultra Classic. Nice. There you go. And how many miles do you have on that? Uh, I have 46,000, according to today's. Today, I had to take it over to uh, uh, get a little service done. Okay. I, as a matter of fact, I can plug that right. Twin City Harley Davidson, yeah, sure. Lane, Minnesota was kind enough to donate the labor and the tire to make really? sure that I got a new back tire for the motorcycle because I'm leaving tomorrow to go see Gold Star Families and sign books in Colorado. Wow. Look at you. So you, uh, so you put some miles on. Yeah, and then I come home for a day, and then I'm going from Minneapolis to the Ozarks. I'm going to see Gold Star Families in Iowa, Missouri, and Arkansas, and then I get two days off before I'm headed to Texas. Wow. I take it you're retired. Uh, no, I'm a disabled vet, and oh. nobody would give me a job, so I God just decided you. to do this stuff. Well, that's fantastic, man. Not, no, not that you're a disabled vet, but fantastic that you get to do what you do. That's awesome. So I tell Well, you, you know, I thought it was fantastic, too, until I started doing it. Now I'm going, really? <laughs> Got <laughs> to do this again? You know, uh, um, we haven't gotten into the details of what it is that I do yet, but uh, we in 2018, I went on one motorcycle ride. Really? I actually went on three or four, but I, I, I like to refer to the one. I went on one. I left on July 2nd from Minneapolis, and I got home on August 27th or something like that. Ended oh. up being 58 days, almost 18,000 miles, 44 states, and more than 60 gold star families along the way. But that was just one ride. I averaged 375 miles a day, seven days a week. Wow, you're my hero. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody else. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there were moments. Yeah. Certainly the first day was an awful lot of fun. I got to ride through the Schwamigan National Forest in upstate Wisconsin. Okay. I uh, got to dodge. Uh, well, I like to say I dance with. I dance with the animals that scurry across the road. Mm -hmm. So I got to dance with deer, um, a couple of raccoons, a mountain lion, uh, a small bear, and a moose. Wow! On the first day, yikes! My brother would have something to say about the deer. He's had he's had problems with those guys. A lot of people have problems with deer. You know, I I wear uh, I wear. Did I just say that? I, I wear those silent whistles on my uh, on my lowers on the bike. Do they work? I haven't hit a deer yet. Oh, okay. I guess maybe they do work then. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, when I'm doing my dancing with the deer, yeah. they're running away from me. That I can tell you. Do they work? I don't know. I haven't hit a deer, so I'm going to keep them on. So let's say they work. <laughs> i got to get me uh, a pen of this. <laughs> so I'll tell you I what. I can't you... say that they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell us briefly uh, about who you are and what you do? Uh, well, who I am. Boy, that's a loaded question. I've got a pretty deep resume, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, I was in the Navy from 87 to 94, officially. I okay. Think. Was it night? 86 to 94 were right. the official dates. And I had to wear the uniform and, and keep my hair cut short from 87 to 91. Uh, and I came home with a, a pretty messed up bone connections in my back. So 
Uh, I'm a disabled vet now. Um, and I've run a bunch of restaurants. I owned a bar for a while. I had an IT company. I've done a crap load of stuff, but I'm getting kind of old, so it's kind of okay. You know, when I was 27, and they said, how many jobs you had? And I said, 42. Then, you know, people... People would look down on me, but now right. you know I'm pushing sixty, and they say, "Well, how many jobs you had?" And I say, "About six. Well, and they yeah. say, "Oh, well, yeah, that kind of that kind of works." That's you know, I had my IT company for about seventeen years. Yeah. I had my bar for a year. I managed a couple of bars for about four years before I had my own. I had like fourteen years in the restaurant business, so I've done an awful lot of stuff. Um, and I I like to think that all of the stuff that I've done, when you put it up in one big pile, it just kind of prepares me to be the guy who takes care of gold star families on a motorcycle. I've been riding bike motorcycles since I was about 10. Oh well, yeah, so that's good. I think Richard Nixon hadn't resigned yet when I got on my first motorcycle. <laughs> I didn't get on I, th- I think I got on my motorcycle. Yeah. My first motorcycle I was probably 72. You got on a motor you don't look like you're 72. No, I just no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually I ju- actually I'll, actually I'll be I'll be 61 next month. Well, here's a early happy birthday to you. Well, thank you, man. You don't look like you're 61 either. That's what uh, I keep telling myself. And, and I do have to say, I spent a lot of time as an entertainer as well. I, the first time I got on stage and got in front of a microphone, I think, was 1982. Was that on uh, purpose? I, on purpose, yeah. Right. When that was done, when I hung up my microphone from, live, from doing live stuff, I had a DJ show. Oh, God, and I, really? By the time that was done, it was 22 years later and something like, 2058 stage appearances and really like a thousand more than a thousand wedding dances i mean i mean i was busy I, I, <laughs> but it paid the bills I was, right i was busy well not always which is how i got so many years experience managing restaurants oh, i get it yeah any dj who's worth his salt on the stage will tell you that he knows how to manage a restaurant no, of course you know you find all the best musicians <laughs> managing mcdonald's now uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I think I will turn down any gig that's handed to me for McDonald's unless they're paying good money. <laughs> well, my IT company, I got quite a few gigs at McDonald's. You did building, I'm... yeah, building the new stores and putting oh, the sure. IT infrastructure in. <laughs> wow, uh, it pays, pays better than managing. <laughs> so here you are. So, so these now, are some of the things. Some of the I've things done. you've done. Some of the things I've done. So then you got into motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I started in motorcycles. I've always had motorcycles. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Um, what happened was I was invited uh, to help raise money at a golf tournament okay. called called Tee It Up for the Troops. Maybe, Sounds good. Maybe 10 years ago. All right. And um, my first reaction to it was, I don't know why I want to go help them raise money for because they're helping wounded veterans, right? right. That's, uh, tee It Up for the Troops. So veterans who need some stuff. I'm all for that. Even back then, I'm all for that. If you're a veteran, my door is open, period. Uh, I'll whatever be over you need, at five. Say that again. I'm I'll, be, sorry. I'll be over at five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the dinner delivery is coming at 5.05, so you'll get here right in time. Perfect. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I've been turned down by a lot of veterans organizations that say that they do things for disabled vets and wounded vets and stuff. Yeah. There's been an awful lot of them that I've called up and I'd say, hey, you know, I'm a disabled vet. What can you do for me? And more often than not, I hear them say, well, when did you serve? And I tell them and they say, sorry, we only help veterans that served after 9-11. Well, that's ridiculous. It is, isn't it? But I 
bet, I don't want to say anything about anybody in particular here, but I bet the first three that you think of, two of them don't help veterans after 9-11. And we can have a private conversation about that. Yeah, wow. Uh, but uh, but there's some very, very popular organizations that don't help veterans af- that served after 9-11. Hmm. Unless they served after 9-11. Um, really? So, so everybody before yeah, then so, doesn't count. So, yeah, so I was I kind of had ridiculous. a sour taste in my mouth when teed up for the troops called. But I went anyway, and I'm hanging out with them guys. And about uh, this is at a private country club, private golf country club. Right. Uh, and one thing that you rarely see at private country clubs is hordes of motorcycles. Yet yeah, on this no, uh, <laughs> yeah, on this particular day, uh, you know, a little motorcycle group rolled in, and I think they had 125 motorcycles. That's, nice. that's my guess. I mean, they were rolling past me for a long time, and they filled up the parking lot, and they parked right up to the door, and they covered the sidewalk, and, and all the valet parking was just filled with motorcycles. Right. Anyhow, I got to talking to a few of them, and uh, they let me know that they were doing this ride here in the Minneapolis area to go honor Gold Star families. And at that point, this is only 10 years ago, uh, dopey idiot me, I didn't even know what a Gold Star family was. But mm-hmm. they said, why don't you ride with us tomorrow? And I looked at my watch, and I said, yeah, I'm doing nothing tomorrow, so I'll go with you. Right. And, me and me and the wife got on the motorcycle, and we took off and re-rode with these guys for a while. And we pulled up to the first house where they were going, where there's a Gold Star widow. Uh, and it was she lived in a cul-de-sac in, on the northern suburbs of Minneapolis. And <laughs> I couldn't believe we're pulling in here, and I'm looking at all these houses on this residential part of town, and everybody's drawing their curtains closed and peeking around the curtains. Peeking around the blinds, uh, you know, kind of freaking out because so many motorcycles are pulling in. There was, you know, still about 125 motorcycles that day. Wow. Uh, and then I got to learn firsthand when I when I heard the story of what Gold Star families go through. Um, and for those of you that have been pain, painfully listening to every word, wondering what the heck a Gold Star family is, that's the immediate family members of somebody killed in the military. And on this particular day, this particular Gold Star widow was about 23 years old. And her husband was her high school sweetheart, and he joined the Army on the buddy system, and they were over in the Middle East, and this was uh, in the early 2000s, I suppose. All right, okay. And um, him and his buddy, they, and they grew up together. They knew each other since before kindergarten. Um, and they're, now they're walking around in Army uniforms, and one of them, and the buddy steps on an IED eee. and turn, turns into meat soup right there. He gets splattered all over the widow's husband's uniform and just all over him so there was there was very little left of him uh anyhow post-traumatic stress kicked in um and i like to refer to it as just pts not ptsd because it's not a disorder it's a normal part of our existence okay um and we can get into that later if you like but um anyway the short story here is even though he's from minneapolis they put him in a va hospital in los angeles Mm mm-hmm uh, and after 60 days, they said, there's the door. We treat pe- post-traumatic stress disorder. Back then it was disorder. Uh, we treat it for 60 days, and that's it. Jeez. And they showed him to the door. And the short story here is that uh, he lasted about five or six days on the streets and uh, ended his own life. He finished his battle on his own. Wow, um, that's sad. And, and, well, the, sad thing, the saddest thing about all of that is that Gold Star Widow that's back here in the northern suburbs of Minneapolis uh, is cut off without a cent because suicide was not part of the military pact. Right. At that time. Now it's 
it's easier to be recognized as part of the deal. Uh, post-traumatic stress is well-known and well-documented for um, motivating people to, to take their own lives. Uh, but at that time, this particular widow didn't have any recourse. Now she's got two kids, and they're both little, like yeah. a newborn and a three-year-old or something. And, uh, uh, and she's only got a high school diploma, so the best she's going to be able to do is be a welfare mom. Uh. Because she's got nothing to go on. And me and the rest of that group, we just opened up our wallets and put her back to college. And now she's a college graduate and she's a productive member of her society. And I knew at that moment, on that day, when I'm standing with uh, 125 other guys who are wearing bandanas, dark sunglasses, tattoos, cigarettes dangling, earrings, the smell of oil and burnt rubber and uh, leather from head to toe, chaps and jackets and all this stuff, and fingerless gloves, and every one of them was in tears. Wow. wow. Something else you don't get to see very often. No, no, And I was right there with, yeah, I was right there with them, and I said, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Wow. This is, I, I just knew that I was going to have something to do with supporting right. Gold Star families forever. And I rode with that group uh, three more times, and then I went to the organizers of that group, and I said to them, Hey, what you're doing here is really awesome, uh, but uh, it's a little bit bigger than Minneapolis. So what do you say we take this thing national? And they said, they burst into laughter is what they said. <laughs> they just burst into laughter and said, yeah, good luck with that. We're lucky we got one weekend a year. Right. Um, and I said, well, I'm a disabled vet, can't get a job anyway, so I'll go for you. And they said, good luck with it, can't go with our name, um, good luck with what you're doing. And I found a couple other guys that were interested. There's mm-hmm. a doctor not, that lives not far from me. And, and um, there was another businessman who decided that they would be active volunteers on our board of directors. Mm-hmm. Since then, that businessman has stepped down. He served two years, and then he stepped down. And our current vice president is actually a 28-year Navy veteran who spent 13 years on the SEAL teams. Wow. Look at that. And he himself has told me, he's been out now for about 10 years. Uh, he's been a citizen for about 10 years and he's told me that, uh, he's put his 45 in his mouth a couple of times and he doesn't do that anymore because he's an active volunteer with the gold star ride foundation. Right. Oh, wow. So, so, uh, I didn't know that when I, that, that wasn't my reason for asking him if he would be part of the board of directors. Right. Uh, and I just actually, he's been on the board now for a year and I just learned that that was true about six weeks ago. Actually, he told me about it when we were at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally together. Oh, wow. You went to Sturgis, huh? Yeah. Here's another plug. Uh, Terry Reimer, the general manager of the Black Hills Harley-Davidson in Rapid City, okay. was inducted into the Sturgis Motorcycle Hall of Fame this year. Okay. And and uh, I don't know if we got time for me to tell that whole story, but How I will How much time as you want? He, uh, well, let's tell the whole story then, because I like to have fun. Okay. And this one's kind of a fun story, Okay. Uh, another uh, corporation that we've been courting to become one of our corporate sponsors sent us a message that said, and, and basically they said, if you can make it to Sturgis, you get to meet and hang out with the head honcho that makes all the decisions, and you can ink a deal right there at the rally. Wow. Look at that. Incidentally, incidentally that didn't happen. So oh. now we're motivated. We're motivated to get there, right? We're motivated yeah. to get there. And I've been there a number of times before. I've I think my first visit to the Sturgis Rally was 1993. Wow, Incidentally, no remember I said earlier that I was a DJ? Yeah. I, play, I played my DJ show at the Sturgis Rally 20 times in five years. Wow, at like you. Four, four or five different campgrounds and bars. I have yet to go. Um, 
you, I can't tell you what it's like. You have to go. That's what everybody tells me. Yeah, the English language doesn't have the right words <laughs> to tell you what it's like. You have to go. Well, there's that's a plan to go next year. There well, is a plan. That's all there is to that. Yeah. So we were motivated to go. I didn't particularly want to go because I've been there enough and I've done it enough, and, and I didn't particularly want to go. And then I realized I didn't want to go to Sturgis proper. I don't mind going to Rapid City. I don't mind going to the Black Hills. I don't mind seeing Mount Rushmore and all that other stuff. So I thought, hey, I'll ask. Black Hills Harley-Davidson, if we can have a presence at their dealership. Okay. Okay, call him up. Yeah, that guy answered the phone. He says, no, you don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to Terry. Okay, I'll call Terry. Get Terry's voicemail. I call him four hours later. Get his voicemail. I call him the next day. I get his voicemail. This is two weeks prior to the rally, mind you. Right. Not very long ago. So it's Tuesday, and I give him, I send him a copy of the book with a personalized letter that says why we want to have a presence at the rally, why we want to be at the Black Hills Harley-Davidson dealership. And I sign the letter, and I sign the book to him, autograph the book to him, and I put it all in a priority mail package, and off it goes. I know he gets it on Wednesday. Yeah. On Wednesday, I'm talking with my uh, the other board members, and, and one of them says, why don't you fly out there tomorrow? It's a 45-minute airplane ride. Why don't you fly out there? He's got to talk to you if you're standing in front of him. And I said, oh, okay, I'll do that. So the next day I'm at the airport, <laughs> I'm at the gate, getting ready to get on a plane to Rapid City. Right. While I'm at the gate, while I'm at the gate, there's another guy here, there. He's clearly a biker. No question. He's got the beard. He's got a leather vest. He's wearing a cut with lots of patches. There's no question this guy's a biker. Okay. I sit down, and I'm minding my own P's and Q's. Incidentally, I know what P's and Q's mean, so if you want me to explain that, I can later. <laughs> so I'm minding my own P's and Q's, and this guy walks up to me, and he says, Hey, Tony, how you doing? And I said, I'm doing really great, but you have me at a disadvantage. I don't remember where we met. And he said, oh, I'm John. I rode with you to go see two Gold Star families up by Aberdeen, South Dakota in June. And this is late July when I met him. Yeah. So it was like a month ago. He said, last month I rode with you. We went together to go see those Gold Star families. Okay. And I said, oh, that's awesome. He says, uh, and I said, where are you going? I said, he says, I'm going to Rapid City. I live there. Me and my wife have a house. and we, We live in Rapid City. Uh, and I said, oh, well, that's awesome. We're going to the same place. He says, what are you going to go do there? I said, I'm going to go talk to the guys at Harley-Davidson. He says, oh, well, I hear they're pretty nice. I don't know any of them, but I hear they're pretty nice. And we fly out there together. We get off the airplane. We're walking through the uh, gate area at Rapid City Airport. And I don't know if you've ever flown into that airport. No, or not. not at all. It's, it's wonderful. There are six gates. That's it. Perfect. My kind yeah, of airport. In and, in and out of Okay, I rented a car ahead of time. I got an agenda. I'm on a plan. I'm walking fast. And, and John, the guy that I met in the Minneapolis airport, is walking with me. We're elbow to elbow. We're, we're, we got a pace, man. We're moving as fast as my little legs will carry me. And we get through the gate, and he stops, and he slaps me on the shoulder, and he said, hey, that guy back there sitting on a chair is wearing a Black Hills Harley-Davidson T-shirt. He might be one of the guys who works there. And I said, oh. Well, let's go ask him. And we turn around and go back about 30 steps, and I see the guy, and I bend over to say, I say, excuse me, I just noticed you're wearing a Black Hills Harley-Davidson shirt. I flew in here today to meet somebody there. And he said, really? Who'd you fly in to meet? I said, Terry Reimer. He sticks his hand out. He says, hi, I'm Terry Reimer. <laughs> I pull up my brochure, and I show him the Gold Star Ride Foundation logo, and I said, I came to see you. I'm this guy. And he said, oh, yeah, I got your book. I started reading it last night. We got a spot for you during the Sturgis rally. Oh, look at that. Beautiful. And, you know, that 
I walked back up to the gate agent and said, I'm scheduled to fly out of here at six, but can I get a, go right now? And she said, yep, there's one seat left on the plane. I said, put me on it. So we <laughs> flew back to Minneapolis together. Uh, apparently the guy who sells him Dunlop tires got him tickets to go to some motorcycle races that were being held in Minneapolis. So he's flying back to Minneapolis. Oh, that's funny. So, wow. So that's a, that's the funny story there. And he gave us a, you know, he took care of everything. He put up the tent. Uh, and I don't know, you've never been there, right? So nope. Black Hills Harley is 40 acres. No their, kidding. Their lot is 40 acres. And the size of their showroom is probably average for a Harley Davidson dealership. Right. But their their lot is 40 acres and the whole thing is paved. And they do that just so they can make Tent City occur for the two weeks during the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. No kidding. Holy and crap. just... Yeah, so they just gave us the thing, and we had a great time out there. Uh, Scott came with me out there, and Scott and I got to know each other really well because we spent all our days and nights together. Oh, and John, remember John? He's the guy that met me at the Minneapolis airport. Yeah. Him, him and his wife put us up for free for the week, so we didn't have to pay $1,700 wow. a day Look for at a that. hotel. Getting celebrity treatment there. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, it's, it's like uh, whoever controls the cards. Yeah. I think Cut so. in my favor for that one. And then we left the rally. Uh, you know, so that's the, the story of Terry Reimer. Uh, but when, when the rally was done, got on the motorcycle and headed west. Yeah. Already west. Rapid City is about 650 miles west of Minneapolis. More or less. Okay. Give or take five miles. <laughs> okay. So from there, we went west, and we, I yeah. had to ride by myself. But uh, we ha- I headed west, and I found Gold Star families and uh, people to, to meet and visit with in Billings, Bozeman, Idaho Falls, Boise, Sun Valley, right. Kennewick, for those listeners you got in the deep northwest, Kennewick, Bellingham, and Auburn in Washington before I turned around and headed back. And when I came back, you asked me earlier if I ride, right? Okay. Uh, you got the GPS, your little GPS Google Maps thing up there. I rode from Auburn, Washington to Bozeman, Montana in a day. Oh. And, and which isn't all that much. Oh, but still. When I you mean, compare really. it to what I was planning to do. Yeah. See, that was on a Friday, you know, a week after the rally was over. And on Saturday, I had it, every intention, I'm going to get that iron butt patch. Bozeman, Montana, to my house in Minneapolis is exactly one thousand miles. Uh oh! <laughs> Did you get it? I woke up on Saturday morning, uh, about forty-five minutes before the sun came up, and realized it was raining oh. in the mountains, fifty-five degrees. Forget it. Done. And I thought, I just ride through it. I'm just going to ride through it. I, you know, I, you know who my job was in the Navy? <laughs> I was a weatherman. Oh. <laughs> Really? I said, I know. Oh, my God. I'm serious. And I I said to myself, I know that this is a little rainstorm that's moving east. It's moving to the east. But I'm going 70. I can pop out of this thing. And when I pop out, I'm going to have nothing but sunshine all the way home. Well, I rode 750 miles in that rain, and it was 10 o'clock at night. And Mm -hmm. I had the local radio station on on the tunes on the bike. And the local radio was saying golf ball sized hail and 65 mile an hour winds and i knew that that was still in front of me and i said okay just i'm cold i'm wet i'm Done. miserable but i did do 750 miles in That's the rain crazy. with a high temperature of 55 degrees wow uh, yeah and i woke up the next day 
<laughs> Give me an idea of the kind of places I stay when I'm out visiting families. See, I keep it in mind what our military is going through. Sure. Yes, and absolutely. I haven't asked you, and you haven't told me yet if you served. Yes, I did. Yes, I, was a, I had uh, naval service from 1977 through 81. Well, thank you very much for doing that. Thank you. Particularly at a time when it was not so well received back here at home. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was, uh, was, the funny thing is I spent four and a half years in the Navy, and I never set foot on a ship. Uh, I didn't either. I got a funny story about Did that. Did you too, really? Oh, my I'll, God. I'll so get you back and I, we, we were like, I think we're the only two. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did 750 miles in the rain, in the cold rain, and, and I'm always keeping it in mind what our military men and women are sacrificing for us to have the freedom that we have to do this podcast, right. for, <laughs> for us to look at each other and, and laugh and joke and have fun. And I really love laughing and joking and having fun. If that hasn't uh, made itself present yet, uh, that's me <laughs> it saying has, we're good. Okay, but we got the you know we got our servicemen and women who are sleeping in holes that they dug in the sand, and the low temperature at night is 110, and the you know they're they're just miserable. That's the stuff that they're trained to put up with, and that they do put up with uh, is just horrid. So I'm not staying at any five star hotels when I'm going down the road. Okay. So after 750 miles of riding in the cold rain, I pulled into the first cheesy spit on the floor cockroach infested dump i could find that had lodging and i walked into the lobby and the lobby is about 12 feet square right there's a screen door that slams behind me and wakes up the guy who's running the the motel yeah and this 12 by 12 lobby has a little half of a desk at one side where you got to fill out the card and it's got a couch along one wall under the window that says has the vacancy sign flashing okay Right with the chain hanging underneath it, and this couch is covered by three ripped up quilts, and the guy running the place is sitting on the couch, and the slamming door woke him up, and I know he's been sleeping there for a while because the drool coming out of half of his mouth has made a spot in his shirt the size of a softball, and it's only ten o'clock at night, so I, he's clearly awake now. The screen door slammed behind me, and it, it woke him up. And he looks at me and he says, what? <laughs> what? I'm thinking, aren't you running a motel here? What do you think? Okay, I didn't say that out loud. I just said, I need a place to sleep in a hot shower. And he says, yeah, I guess we got one. And I said, whoa. And then I said, well, I'm riding for the Gold Star Ride Foundation. I'm, I'm riding my motorcycle all over the country, taking care of families left behind when somebody gets killed in the military. Would you consider donating a room? And he's not even off the couch yet. He hasn't even whipped, wiped the drool from his chin yet. He just looks up at me and says, no. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy. You Is woke him right? up. How you much? see, you woke him up. I said, yeah, maybe. There you go. Never wake up the hotel desk clerk. <laughs> lessons. The hardest lessons are learned that way by, by rough experience. Anyway, I said, well, what do you want for a room? He says, $47. Jesus. I said, all right, fine. I'll pay you. <laughs> Give me a key. <laughs> and this is such an old motel. I actually had to fill out one of those little cards. Yeah. <laughs> put and write in my license plate number and they, you know, describe the thing. And I laid him out the money. We paid for the room. And anyway, I, I just mentioned that hotel story because that's where, that's the kind of place I'm looking for because that's what our military men and women are doing. I, and I even often that is even what you stayed in is still better than what they do. 
Right, because often they don't have a hot shower exactly. or a shower at all. Right. So I remember when I was in the Navy, the big thing that I, I had a shower whenever, whatever night I wanted one. I never had a hot shower, but I had a shower. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Water temperature was always a variable. <laughs> yeah. I think it was once I went in and turned it on, it was really hot. And I thought, all oh, right, a hot shower. And just as soon as I got wet, it turned cold. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, most hot water heaters in the in, in the military, they're only about a cup and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the size, right? So why don't you yeah. tell, us, tell us about the Gold Star Foundation. You know, when did it start and how many chapters do we got? Well, chapters is not a thing that we do. We are uh, represented. I think we're registered in every state that requires us to be registered in. Okay. But we and we're registered, you know, with the state governments. Oh, okay. Uh, so we got every state has different rules on how five hundred one c threes can come in and operate in their state. Okay. And I and and not every state requires us to register. However, okay. those that do, I, I believe that we now have registered with all of them that re- require us to do so. Okay. All right. Uh, um, now, having so having said that, we don't have chapters per se at this time. Right. Uh, maybe in a year from now, we'll have a legal team of volunteers that says we're going to set up all the paperwork so you can have chapters in every state, and that will be wonderful. Okay. Uh, I hope that happens, but that's not right. what happens right now. What happens right now is uh, we get a call or a email from a Gold Star family. Today, I got one from a guy in Nebraska. He says there's five families. I can't wait to meet you. When can we schedule it? And I go, oh, okay, Nebraska. And then I look at the map of the continuous United States, and I say, there's Nebraska. How am I going to get there? Well, we're in, here's the route, so we're going to go. And then we, as soon, then we start calling hotels, seeing if they'll donate rooms, and we call restaurants to see if they'll donate meals, and we call gas stations to see if they'll donate a tank of gas to one or two motorcycles. If Scott can ride with me, Scott's been riding his whole life, too. All right. Now, so what, uh, so if, what, if he's what, able to come with me, then we ride with two that are guaranteed. So when did, but when did the Gold Star Foundation, when did it begin and what started it? Well, I mentioned the story earlier of going to the tee it up for the troops. Yeah. Golf tournament and then finding that other group of motorcycles that took me with them to go see a Gold Star. So that's how it started. That's how it started. When I went to them after, after riding with them for three years, I went to them and said, let's go national. They burst into laughter. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Slapped me on the back and said, good luck. So uh, I immediately, I'm a co-founder now. So you're the guy. So I, I went and found the other board members, and um, and I do everything I can to keep everything copacetic. And I'm the guy who signs the tax return, and I'm the guy who calls 3M and and uh, IBM and and Ford, Chevy, and and Dodge, and says, please be a corporate sponsor. So um, I'm doing all that. I'm doing as much of that as I can. Scott has ponied up a lot since he came on as a vice president. Right. Okay. Uh, He likes to get out there. He is okay with putting his face in front of other people. He really enjoys the work. And and he's, you know, all of us are volunteers. Nobody gets paid anything. Everything goes right to the families. Okay. Which has got to be your next question. What happens with the families, right? Well, actually, well, I was going to ask you, what is a Gold Star family? And you've you've already outlined that. Um, But how many Gold Star families do you have? Uh, that number changes every day. Yes, I kind of figured uh, that. But well, it changes every time, day for a couple of reasons. First of all, it changes every day because almost every day we get another report of a soldier, sailor, Marine that, get, that gets killed. Um, and as soon as we have a military person who ponies up their life for the rest of us to have freedom, their immediate family becomes a Gold Star family. Okay. And, and how do you contact these families? Do you get notified from the military about that? 
Uh, we don't contact them at all. Oh, you don't? Because imagine it was you, right? You served in the Navy. Right. <laughs> Can I make a joke and say, do you have to take that? Not even going to hear it. <laughs> I'm going uh, to no, delete we, that. <laughs> it, you know, imagine that uh, um, you, know, you went to a funeral for your brother or your son or your daughter. And then a couple months later, a stranger calls you up on the phone and says, hey, I heard you just had a funeral. No, I understand, yeah. Yeah, so we don't – well, first of all, it would be ridiculous for us to, to try to do that. Um, but more important, it is a matter of respect mm -hmm. uh, for the families that we're not going to encroach on their lives. What I do is I do shows like yours, and we sit here with this interview, and people hear it, and they call up their buddy who is a Gold Star family, and they say, you need to go check this guy out because he's helping Gold Star families. Okay. And incidentally, what we call a Gold Star family – is might be different from what the military calls a gold star family. Right. For example, we're planning a big long ride in January. I can't wait to tell you all the details. We're leaving Minneapolis in January. January. Going, <laughs> there you go. Now you're starting to January. <laughs> January. Uh, so we're leaving Minneapolis in January, and we're going to go to Louisville, Nashville, Memphis, Birmingham, Atlanta, Savannah, Jacksonville. Pensacola, and I think Orlando, and Charlotte. Uh, but the reason that we're going to stop in this little town that's about an hour outside of Atlanta is because this Gold Star mom called us up, and she told us all about her son that was killed. And he was killed three months after he got married, Ooh, which is all not. fine and dandy with the, the, the whole, let's let our military men and women have lives as close to normal as we can. Getting married is all fine and dandy. But what happens when somebody in the military gets married is they sign a contract. The contract changes who their immediate family is. So if he was a Marine and killed in combat, incidentally, Marines, if I'm not mistaken, and the Marine Commandant doesn't call me and ask me for advice, although I've told him he could if he wanted to. But my understanding is that the Marines don't recognize a fallen Marine as a their family as a gold star family unless that marine falls in combat or by the enemy's hands okay okay and there's you know there's a movie out last year right a thousand ways to die in the west and the same thing is true for military men and women that's right our organization doesn't particularly care how uh somebody lost their life in uniform the fact that they put the uniform on and they lost their life is pretty much all we need to know exactly that's enough so so what happened here in, uh, with the family in the Gold Star mom that's just outside of Atlanta is her daughter-in-law received everything. She was named the Gold Star. She received the Gold Star from the military. She received the life insurance. She received all that stuff. And then she decided to go about her own life. And unfortunately for her deceased husband's parents, she doesn't even let him see the kids anymore. So... These guys are kind of, this, this family is kind of cut off. So she reached out to us, and I said, well, um, don't particularly care that everybody cut you off. We honor Gold Star families. Yeah. And your son was killed, so it, that's all we need to know. So that's why we're going to that little town, and I don't remember the name of the little town. I will tell you, it's about an hour north and east of Atlanta. Okay. And we should be there the third week in January. Okay. And in 2018, I did that long ride that I mentioned before, which mm -hmm. was just shy of 18,000 miles. One of the main things I learned on that long motorcycle ride is going to Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, New Mexico, and 
Arizona in the summer, not necessarily a good idea. Might be a little, little, might little, be a little warm. warm, just a little warm. Might, might be a little bit warm. You know, I looked at some videos uh, yesterday. Somebody asked me to put together a 60 second video for a TV station in Colorado. And I was looking at these videos and I found videos from the, the uh, motorcycle. GoPro sponsored the 2018 ride and they give us a crap load of cameras and nice. SD cards stuff like that so one of the cameras was pointed at me recording me driving the motorcycle okay incidentally those are pretty boring movies <laughs> but, <laughs> a little however maybe, maybe you know i and i told you before we started recording this that uh i was recording at 60 frames per second and in, in 4k so yeah. real high definition stuff sure so when i was looking at these things what i had become when I was rolling across Mississippi, I mean, you can see my skin peeling off my face and you can see how many layers of sunburn and suntan I have on my arm. Wow. With, it's just, I mean, I, I, it reminded me of the movie Vacation, Chevy Chase and Vacation. Yeah. You remember the scene where he goes flying off the road that yep. ends and he has to walk across the desert and yeah. he finds his family at the gas station. What they had done to him for makeup, that's kind of what I looked like. <laughs> uh, so some some really so we're looking forward to going to them southern states in the winter yeah that's a good idea that's a good idea. So, incidentally so. uh we were invited down there by clay crawford some of you guys might know who clay Crawford. you might know who clay crawford is nope, he might be a, you might want to call him up and have an interview with him clay crawford is a actor okay and he was he was given the role of lethal weapon when they made the tv series lethal weapon tv series oh no kidding Okay. So he was the Mel Gibson character when they turned it into the TV series. I may have to do that. We'll yeah, and then, and then look up why he's not on the show anymore, because that's kind of a colorful story, too. But anyway, oh, Clint Crawford, um, he was a former Navy SEAL who had a death wish because his wife died in the TV show, just like Mel Gibson did in the movie. Right. And um, now his foundation, the Clint Crawford Foundation, he's still an actor. He's still doing movies and stuff like that. They're they're based in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and we're looking forward to doing a some kind of a chili cook-off or spaghetti feed dinner at the American Legion of Birmingham or something because he has invited us to come down to to work with his organization. Okay, we're kind of excited about that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Wow, it, it, you know, getting out of Minnesota when the average temperature <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh yeah, you know, not in January I, I, though. I like to talk about the. You know, most of us here in Minnesota like to talk about the winter of 2014, January 2014. Okay. I think we had one day that broke zero, and it was like for 10 minutes, and then it's it stayed below zero for 31 days. Wow. Night and day. No, and thank you. It was. I mean, it's ba it's bad enough here in New Jersey. I don't need to hear that. Well, you need to hear that to, so you can stay in New Jersey, <laughs> which is the other thing everybody says here in Minnesota. That's why we have those cold winters, so that everybody in Jersey stays there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now when you help a Gold Star family, what exactly is the Gold Star family receiving? Our message is to do whatever for that family that the hero would have done if they would not have fallen. And so that kind of runs the gamut. I met a 12-year-old boy in 2018 out there in Pennsylvania uh, whose father was killed when he was three months old. Okay. So we set him up with a college fund so he doesn't have to worry so much about paying for college when he finishes high school. He's still got five or six years to go, I think. Um, we met uh, uh, 
just recently out in Maryland, we found a gold star dad out there who was getting on in age and he needed hospice care. He was discovered in his home having not been able to leave his bed for like three weeks. Oh, and all of the stuff that comes out like three, four times a day and all the stuff that comes out once a day or twice a day, um, all of that stuff comes out whether you leave your bed or not. So he was in really, really bad shape, but his son was killed in Iraq. Um, Had his son not been killed, his son would have taken care of him. I'm pretty sure that's the case. That's what I do for my dad. I bet that's what you'd do for your dad, too. So that's what we did for his dad. Uh, uh, We met a Gold Star daughter who was 25 years old, and she was 17, 16 years old when her father was killed. And he was a special kind of hero. He was on the teams for 15 years when he was killed. His father was a 24-year Marine, and his grandfather was... Uh, 20 years in the army. So a long line of superheroes from that family. And she was homeless. So we took her off the streets and got her into an apartment. We found a family in Texas that couldn't pay the rent. So we just paid the rent for a little while. We found uh, another woman in Phoenix was struggling to pay for college and she was a gold star widow. So we helped her get through college. Uh, out in, um, in the great Northwest, went out there to meet a gold star mom and dad. And they didn't want anything. They just said, it's just so great that you would ride your motorcycle this far just to see us. And we're sitting in a restaurant, and I said, well, of course, the Gold Star Ride Foundation is going to pay for your meal because we can. And this is a wonderful place to be that we can because when you read the book that I wrote, you find out that most of the ride that I did in 2018, I did it with no money in my pocket, no money in the bank. And that means me personally as well as the foundation. We, we just went broke, and every day woke up going, don't know how we're going to do it, but we're pointing this way and we're going, and every day we did it. So now uh, my question, and this brings me to my question now, is where do the funds come from? Uh, they come from your listeners and every other listener from every other radio station and podcast that I do and television news story that I do. Uh, they come from anonymous donors from all over the place, and we take anything. We can take... Uh, um, one of our favorite things to do, we've just started in, in 2019 now, uh, if you inherit some securities, you can donate those securities, and the tax advantages of doing that are off the charts. It's wow. just amazing what happens. Because, That's fantastic. really is. Because you get a tax deduction for the full value of the security, but you only have to pay an inheritance tax for what it was purchased at. Okay. So if your grandpa bought AT&T in 1962 at... 14 cents a share and he's got a thousand <laughs> shares yeah. and you inherit it and now it's split 17 times and it's now worth $400 a share. That's worth something like, I don't know, $20,000 today. Well, you, Big whoever donates that, yeah. they pay the inheritance tax on what he paid for it. I think this is true. And I know it's true that the tax deduction is the face value. Wow. That's the beauty of it. So if yeah. anybody inherits some securities, a great tax advantage for it is to donate it because you get the face value of the donation. So if you inherit a bunch of stuff like money, cars, boats, and a house and securities, you throw the securities to us, you get that huge tax advantage. So now you don't have to pay as much in taxes right. on the house, boat, and the car. There you go. So it's, money it's really tip cool. from so we also, Anthony Price. Yeah, we also accept cash. Cash helps us get more things done than anything else, of okay. course. Yeah. Uh, we we do not accept boats because we do not have a place to put them. Right. But anything else with a title, we can accept real estate, cars, motorcycles. We just got three motorcycles donated to us last Thursday, I think. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. And then we have people who are donate their time to work on them. Sure. 
uh, they turn them around and then we flip them for cash. And that's, you know, kind of what we do with this stuff. Okay. The truck I drive um, is donated to the charity. Uh, so that was donated and we drive it everywhere. Okay. The same with my motorcycle. Okay. My Ultra was donated and I ride it everywhere. So it's owned by the um, it's owned by the charity, but it was donated into us. And okay. we probably get upwards of, I don't know, 15 cars a year. Really? Just, oh, my God. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and we, just, we just take them. And the beauty of it is that because it's coming to a charity, we get to do stuff like Kelly Blue Book Excellent on anything. That's, okay. that's, the, that's the donated amount. Yeah. Unless it's more than $5,000, which is a different conversation altogether. Right. But if it's if it's less than five thousand dollars, we basically get to do Kelly Blue Book excellent value, and then we just analyze it, figure out what is the best way to turn it into cash okay. or service for us. A lot of times we get bikes donated to us, and we make them roadworthy and looking good, and then we'll ask Gold Star Families if they want them. Oh, there you go. And nice. and so we yeah, so we'll deliver them to Gold Star Families as well. Okay, uh, let's talk while we're on the topic. Oh, let of me finish if you don't oh, mind. Okay, go right Those ahead. Yes, yeah. go ahead. Remember, I said we went to that family, mom and dad, having lunch with mom and dad, and we we're going to pay for it at the restaurant. They yeah. said they didn't want anything. Well, as the conversation continued, I came to understand that this, they might not want anything, but they're living paycheck to paycheck, and the seventh day is usually without any money at all. Right. They just stay home and do nothing on the seventh day, and then they get a paycheck, and then they go about their lives again. Yeah. So clearly, this is like as close to poverty as you can get. Right, living paycheck to paycheck. I remember when I was doing it. That's what I do. Um, uh, it probably is a lot more common than we'd like to admit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, however, when I realized it was true for them, uh, we jumped in their car and I jumped on the bike and we went. Actually, we went across the parking lot to the shopping mall and I went through and I bought them each a couple of articles of clothing. We got, you know, he got three new shirts and three new pair of pants and some socks and underwear and the same for her. And when we got done there, we went over to the grocery store and filled up a grocery cart for him. And we threw all that stuff in the backseat of their car and said, there you go. You didn't want anything, but this will make at least the next few weeks of your life. A little easier. A little easier. Right. And that's the least that we can do. And you're free. They're free. Everybody that we come to visit. Uh, once we come to visit, you're free to call us whenever you need anything. That is really Actually, awesome. any Gold Star family that wants to call us can call us anytime they need anything anyway. Okay. Uh, but mostly what they want us to do is help them feel like they're not forgotten for the sacrifice that their family has made so of the rest course. of us can be uh, free and running around and being idiots and laughing on podcasts. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Put it that way, fine. <laughs> so you were holding a question for me. What okay, now well, well, let's talk about the rides. Okay, and, and this is going to be like a four-part question. How often do you do rides? Um, how long are the rides usually? Can anyone go on these rides? And I, how many us- people usually participate in these rides? The answer is yes. To and all four questions. Okay. <laughs> and I can prove it mathematically. <laughs> okay. No, that's not true. Okay, um, the first... Ride I did was in 2017. I went to seven states by myself, and I didn't do very much with it. I went to see the families. I made them happy with as much as I could for that particular year. But sure. we only had pennies. We only had a couple people even knew that we were in existence. Okay. Uh, we saw some states in the Midwest, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. Um, the second year was the first big ride. I did that one all by myself. It was one ride. It was 58 days. It was 17,487 miles. Um, and then when I got home from that, I wrote the book about it. And if you read chapter eight in the book, you'll find out just how difficult it was 
only from the perspective of how pissed off my wife was because I was gone for two months. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so, you know, all of us have either had a spouse or have a spouse, so we've had some experience with it, right? Sure. You've got a little experience with it, so you get a little bit of a working idea of what it means to have um, your spouse at home going, Get your ass back here. What the hell are you doing out there? And who are you flirting with? And all that other, you know, <laughs> everything was there from missing me to being incredibly jealous to accusing me of infidelity. All of it was there. Right. Um, so we don't do that anymore. We talked to the other board members and we got it all clear. We're not going to do a two month ride anymore. Right. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to do shorter rides that are more manageable. So, so far in 2019, I did one ride that was eight days from Minneapolis to Washington, D.C. Okay. I did one ride from Minneapolis to Omaha, Nebraska, and back. On that ride, I visited a Gold Star family in Omaha. I rode my motorcycle in a um, funeral procession, and I stopped to see a Gold Star family 60 miles north of Des Moines, Iowa. And I parked my motorcycle in front of my own house that night. Wow. Okay, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything, right? Okay, wow. the odometer logged it at 932 miles in one day. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, now nice. you get a little. Okay, yeah. and then five days later, I did another short ride, a single ride, uh, out to Leola, South Dakota, which is about 60 miles west of Aberdeen, if you want to play the geography game. And that ride is where I met John, who I talked about before because I bumped into him at the airport. Sure. And we rode out there. Uh, here's another plug for a Harley dealership that uh, uh, stepped up at their game and, and helped us out. Uh, Stutzman. Harley Davidson, Aberdeen, South Dakota, invited me to come out there that day and stop and sign books in their dealership. And I'd sign books for about 30 minutes. We moved about 20 copies. It was awesome. And then I'd go outside to get on my bike to go the other 60 miles to go see the Gold Star families. For what it's worth, we're talking about one set of parents who lost a daughter in Desert Storm 91. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other one was a Gold Star mom who lost her son 53 years before I got there in Vietnam. Wow. So and you, when I, you're not so the gold star doesn't recent uh, veterans it just oh, goes no. all back as far as you exactly, can go. Exactly. Okay. I honored a gold star daughter who lost her father in Korea when I go. rode See, that's great. Quad Cities of Iowa. That's awesome. Anyway, uh, when I walked out of Stutzman Harley Davidson after signing the books, 65 bikes waiting for me to go, including go. John who I talked about at length earlier. Yeah. Uh, and we all rode together and, and we went out to see those two gold star families out in Leola. So that's the nature of the work that I do. Sometimes, and then I already talked about, I think it was an eight-day ride out to the great northwest. Sure. To Bellingham and Auburn, Washington. Um, I think it's scheduled to be a seven-day ride leaving next Tuesday to go from Minneapolis to Fayetteville, Arkansas, Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, Gold Star Families in Little Rock and outside of St. Louis, Missouri. And then the week after that, we're trying to get to Paris, Texas, and Houston, Texas, the first week in October. Uh, you got to update your website because none of that's on it. Yeah, none of that stuff is on it. So we're all volunteers here, and the website's the first thing that suffers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> website's well, first no thing. There's no rides. That's... What's going on? <laughs> now, can any can anybody go on these rides? If there's one on a schedule, can anybody just show up and ride with you guys? Yes, that's all it takes. Oh, good. I usually have I usually have a guest book. I ask you to sign the guest book. Okay. Uh, and the guest book, it, by signing the guest book, you're signing the contract that says you will obey the laws, you'll pay your own way, and you'll be insured, and and right. you'll respect the families. That's all. Okay. It, and 
if we happen to catch you on one of our cameras, we get to use your image. That's that's, that's what signing the book means. Yeah. And and yeah, it, we're not asking you to uh, enter in a credit card number or anything. We don't charge anybody for riding. You know, if you want to do the $20 per rider and $10 per passenger, you can go do that every weekend in every city across the country. We don't do that. If you want to donate, you're welcome to. Yeah. Oh, that's we great. Say, that's good. Yeah, we always say thanks for donations. Good. But, it, yeah, if you want to ride along with us and, and make what we're doing a little bit more powerful and, and, and uh, more fun, that's what they did in South Dakota. That's what they did. When I rode to Washington, D.C., I met up with the group in Michigan City, Indiana. Yeah. I think uh, about an hour east of Chicago. Okay. Um. Met up with a group there, and 85 of us went from Michigan City, Indiana, all the way to Washington, D.C. So what, what would you say your average ride is, uh, attendance-wise? You know, it's really hard to say, because even when I did the big ride, and I rode, I did the whole country by myself. Yeah. But when I stopped in San Antonio, six guys came out of the woodwork and rode with me. When I got to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, there was 85 people waiting for, there, waiting for me there, including two fire trucks. Okay. And incidentally, we usually don't let vehicles come with us. It's either two or three wheels. That, but if you're in a fire truck, yeah, you can come along. Okay. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> we'll let you come along. Exactly. Now, you, um, you, so you, it kind of breaks up and it changes all over the place. Okay. Now, now you've mentioned it several times. Tell us about the book. Oh, the book. Well, I rode almost eighteen thousand miles, fifty-eight days, three hundred seventy-five miles a day, forty-four states, to more than sixty families in twenty eighteen. When I got home, you know, if you ride your motorcycle that much, and I don't know if you ride your motorcycle that much or not. I would if it's not in a shop. <laughs> I wrench on mine a lot. I do a lot of my own wrenching. So well, when I'm on the a, road, mine's a, whole, I don't. mine's a whole complete different story. We, we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, when, I, when I'm on the road, I let somebody else wrench on it. So when I yeah. broke down in Savannah, Georgia in 2018, and uh, I needed them to wrench on it, and then the general manager of Savannah Harley Davidson came out and said, it's all on us. That's I was pretty happy because awesome. that tab, that tab was like eighteen hundred dollars, yeah. and I had a hundred and eight dollars in the bank. <laughs> so when she came out and said it's all on us, I was like, "Wow!" I didn't even—I was so overwhelmed, I didn't even know what to do with myself. Wow, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of wrenching on my own. And um, what was the rest of your question? <laughs> it was about the book. Book. So, so, yes. so you wrote book. the so you wrote the book about that so long trip you did. So you haven't ridden that much. I was starting to say if if you haven't ridden that much, then you're probably not aware. But if you've ever done like a five day ride where you're on the bike 200 miles a day every day for nope. five days, when you get off the bike, walking is weird. Walking and sitting down at the table is weird. It just a, it's just a weird experience for your body okay. to get back to that kind of normalcy because it's a little unusual to spend that much time on a motorcycle. It took me like two and a half weeks before I could walk a straight line when I got home from that incredible ride. Um, and during that time frame, while I was still walking crooked, uh, my wife and I went out for dinner with some friends, uh, another couple that was friends of ours, and they kept peppering me with questions, not a whole lot different than the ones that you're asking me right now. Oh, what wow. was it like? Where was the high? What was the greatest thing? What was the worst thing? What was this? What was that? Anyway, right. when we were parting company that night, uh, the guy came up to me, slapped me on the back, and he says, man, you got to write a book. I said, no, 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 I got 350 hours of video I need to edit. He says, no, man, you got to write a book. And I got in the car and looked at the wife and I said, well, you know, I've written a book before. I've never edited a movie before. Maybe he's right. Maybe I better write the book. So I wrote the book. Um, it took me 42 days to write the book about what it took to, to do that journey. And it's all about everything. It talks about 
I talk in the book about um, calling up corporate sponsors and getting the no's and, I, and the yeses and some of the stories that go behind that. Yeah. Uh, and I talk about some of the Gold Star families. And I talk about some breakdowns and the, and the very difficult things I had to endure. Passed out. I didn't pass out. I fell down three times from heat exhaustion in Arizona. Three times in two days, I hit the floor. The first time it happened, I hit the floor, and I was right by the cooler in a, a convenience store, gas station convenience store. I was reaching for the door handle so I could get a bottle of water, and I didn't quite get it done. I fell on the floor. And Yikes. I'm on the floor, oh, yeah. and I couldn't move. And this guy walks by. With, he's holding hands with his son, who was like three years old. And they just walked past me, and he did his best to just completely ignore me. It's like, we don't see anything here. There's nothing to <laughs> wow. see here. Walk by me. I think I was on the floor for about six or seven minutes. I finally struggled and I got up on my knees and I got a bottle of water. I drank a bottle of water before I got off my knees. And then I found a chair to sit in with a second bottle of water and I sat there for about 45 minutes to regain my composure. Of course, yeah. Wow. Now, do you do book signings at, uh, I guess all your rides start in Minneapolis and then go to the destination right. where the book signing is? Right. Right. Well, if there's a book signing, sometimes I do fly-ins for book signings. It kind of depends on what they are. When Savannah Harley-Davidson, for example, invited me to come out for the big 2020 year model unveiling. Yeah. He said, we're having a big deal here. There's a lot of vendors and we're barbecuing a pig and there's a band playing. And I don't think they had quite all that much stuff for the year model or the new model year unveiling. But they invited me to come down. So I flew in for that one. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, so that's, you know, that's 2,200 miles. I'm not going to ride my motorcycle 4,400 miles so I can sign 17 books. Wow. Now, <laughs> what, you know what? Here's kind of one thing we have not heard, though. What is the title of the book? Interesting question. What is the t- I should probably have started with that, right? The book is called Yours Very Sincerely and Respectfully. And now I get to tell you why. Okay. Because when we go visit a Gold Star family, all of the families that we visit get a little token to a token commemorative and it is a plaque and engraved into this plaque that we leave behind is uh, a document referred to as the Bixby letter. The Bixby letter is a letter that Abraham Lincoln wrote to a woman named Mrs. Bixby during the civil war, uh, expressing his own condolences for the loss of her sons during the battles of the civil war. Lincoln, it was reported to Lincoln that she lost five sons. Oh, wow. So the Bixby letter was also read, incidentally, uh, to help you, you know, uh, give you a, a place of uh, to remember it. It was um, read at the very beginning of the movie Saving Private Ryan. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So if you watch the movie right at the beginning, there's two officers in a hoity-toity um, office and off- military officers. And one's reading a letter to the other one, and he says, all right, this kid is the last of his family. His two brothers have been killed, so go find him. And that was Private Ryan. Right. So the whole, that was the whole premise of the movie was to save that one guy whose brothers were already dead. Anyway, so we engrave that letter or the portion of that letter that, that fits. Because the first paragraph is all about a woman in Massachusetts, so we, don't, we edit that part out. Right. But the rest of it is all about Lincoln's condolences um, to... A gold star family. And he signed that letter, yours very sincerely and respectfully, A. Lincoln. Oh, okay. Now I get that's, it. That's where we took the title of that. And I know, we, you know you've know, you been letting me ratchet jaw here for a long time. That's okay. That's a little, right. term, little term for the truckers that are listening. Uh, you let me ratchet jaw for a while. Um, I kind of want to get to one of the stories that I like to share with people. And 
I didn't tell this story till about two months ago, um, but go ahead. I, I, I like to share it now. Um, it's it's now in my repertoire of stories that I share. The, one of the Gold Star families. So I was riding in late July in the middle middle part of the United States in the Great Midwest, um, and I stopped at a restaurant to meet a Gold Star mom, and a meeting was set up by her best friend. And uh, we're at a restaurant. Um, and everything is going fine. A lot, and all of none of this stuff is scripted. We don't start the meeting with the Pledge of Allegiance or or singing the national anthem or anything right. like. Okay. Uh, we're not opposed to that kind of stuff, but it's it's incredibly casual. We walk up and we say we're here because you're a gold star and whatever and whatever and and we just enjoy each other's company and and we do that kind of stuff and and wherever the conversation goes is where the conversation goes. And we're eating our lunches. We've had our lunch served and. You know, I think I had a mouthful of carrots or something. Uh, and this Gold Star mom looks at me and she just says out of nowhere, I just don't understand why my son would take his own life. And I put my hand on her hand. She had her hand on her knife. And I put my hand on her hand, put my right hand on her left hand. And I looked at her and I said, he didn't take his own life. It was a sniper's bullet from 7,000 miles away. And she immediately burst into tears, and I was crying at that point, and the best friend was crying, and everybody that could hear us was crying, you know, because that, that was a very, very powerful moment. Oh, sure. Uh, and then just like that, you know, the tears got wiped away, and the conversations went back to, you know, what's the hottest place in the country, and what's the most difficult thing you had to do, and all that stuff. And then we parted company, big hugs, a couple of pictures, uh, get on the bike, and down the road I go, another Gold Star family, another city, another Gold Star family, another city. And about 10 days later, I get an email from the friend who set that meeting up with that Gold Star mom. And the friend ten- tells me in an email, after lunch that day, that Gold Star mom went home and tore up her own suicide note. Really? Wow. So when it doesn't make any sense that I do what I do, when it doesn't make any sense that I rode 750 miles in the rain with the warmest temperature of 55 degrees, when it doesn't make any sense that I passed out or fell on the floor three times from heat exhaustion, when that stuff doesn't make any sense anymore, I just remember that gold star mom and everything makes sense. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's really intense. Holy crap. Goldstarride.org. <laughs> that's it. Wow. So well, while we're at it now, so you got the, the book. To do a mic drop, right? I, something, you know. So the book is available. It's on the website at goldstarride.org. Yeah. It's up there. Um, it's on donate. Amazon. I think we got four and a half out of five stars on Amazon. You can get a paperback copy there. You can get the ebook from Amazon. You can get the ebook, paperback, or hardcover. From our website, the hardcover book features color pictures. Yeah, the I, I'll, be, I'll be getting the hardcover. Uh, yeah, the paperback is only black and white pictures, so you can see stuff. And you know, if you get the full color version, the hardcover version, you get to see you know high definition pictures of the first time I got stopped by the sure. police in Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> that's a oh, funny. Well. That's actually a funny story. Yeah. Um, but I. I <laughs> I'm looking at the clock here, and I, I see where we've been going on for a long, long time. But it's all right. Um, <laughs> it's so, a, no place to go but dirty dishes for me. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It's I appreciate right. you letting me have a an opportunity to to get my ratchet jaw going and get up on my soapbox it's and tell people right. stuff quite that we do. 
Um, so how how can it, people learn more about more and help and and follow the, best the thing to thing. do? Yes, the very best thing to do is follow us on Facebook because I'm better at keeping the Facebook site updated than I am at getting the other social media updated. Sure. I mean, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, we've got, I think we even have a Tumblr account. Um, and we've got our own website, but more, and we've got a YouTube channel. So I think we're up to somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 videos on YouTube. But the Facebook place has the tendency to get the most current up-to-date information. Okay. So if you just want to look and see what's new, that's the best place to go. So find us on Facebook and follow us there. Um, Do you list your, and, and you then, also list your events there as well. We list the events there. We often create events and list them on Facebook too. Um, but uh, anytime you want to do something or, you know, you've heard an awful lot of information in, in just this soapbox agenda today. Uh, so you can always just send us an email, send us a text message. Our phone number is on our website. Um, for those of you with really, really, really good memories, it's 651-417-3317. You can send us a text um, or call us and we'll tell you where we're going to be. Um, Excellent. You can send us an email, info at goldstarride.org, and we'll respond and tell you where we're going to be, even if the website isn't up to date, even if the, you know, none of the other stuff is up to date. Our, our responses to a text message will always be up to date, and responses to an email will always be up to date of, as of that date. Okay. All right. When are you Tomorrow, gonna... I'm going to make an event about being on this podcast. Oh, look at that. When are you going to come to New Jersey? You know, you're not the first one that wants us to come out there, so that's probably something where you're going to have to schedule soon. Um, but it gets cold in New Jersey, so it will probably be. You know what? I'll tell you right now. Hey, we're good until like mid-November. We're going to rock it with our trip to, to Washington, D.C., because we're riding into, it's not Rolling Thunder anymore in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's Amvet's Thunder or something like that. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, but, you know, a million motorcycles go to Washington, D.C. for Memorial Day. Okay. Uh, so on my way home from Washington, D.C., I'll go north and we'll go up and we'll hit Jersey. Perfect. Because you're not the only one that asked me to go to Jersey. We've got Gold Star families waiting for us out there. Oh, there you go. So, See? Uh, yes. The, we'll call it the first three days after Memorial. It might be Memorial Day itself. Okay. Uh, the, the parade is the Sunday. So far, CNN and Fox News have not asked me to be at their studios on Memorial <laughs> Day. Like they, they probably won't. Well, they did last year. Did they really? Yeah, it was on Fox News last year. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, you're not the only one who thinks some of the stories that are tell are kind of powerful and a little bit important. No, yeah. They, they're, it's all important. It's very However, important. However, I'm certain, I'm certain that after this podcast airs and everybody hears this podcast, I'm certain that we will sell three copies of the book from the website. Let's hope we sell more than that. Which is more than we sold from Fox News. That's it. So you hear, motorcycle men listeners, you heard it here. We have to tell beat Fox friends, News and CNN and yeah. all those. We have to let's sell fifty books. Yeah, we haven't been on CNN yet. We're still we're still knocking on that door. Well, you know what? It's okay. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of really good stories in the book. There's a lot of really good comments that we're getting back from it. Good. Are you going to make it an audio book? Working on that again. Really? It's like the good. website. Good. Because you know I'm. Do you have a narrator? Kinda, I'm available. Kinda, well, I kind of talk on a microphone pretty good myself. You could do that. <laughs> <laughs> there is an, there's an old retired DJ 
who spent like 45 years as a radio announcer, yeah. lives just down the street from me. And I have been thinking maybe I'll just delegate it to him uh, because he's go. looking. He's just kind of looking for something to do. I started doing it myself. I've got the first three chapters done for the audiobook. Uh, but then I ran out of time. I couldn't sit in front of the microphone anymore. Yeah. With summer comes. It is, summer it is comes. A, it's a little time consuming, but you know what? If, when you get it done, it's it's worth it, especially for this project. This is great. Well, I'm looking forward to having it done. Yeah, and I kinda, I'm kind of looking forward to it being in my voice. But as we've said, it, you know, we, as soon as we figure out a way to turn 24 hours into 26 hours, I might be able to get after it. Good. So any last comments for our riders and veterans out there and anybody that wants to help? Uh, the first thing I want to say is, to close, is thank you very much to everybody who's ever put on a uniform. Absolutely. It's almost cliche to come up and say that. It's almost cliche. But I'd like to take it a step further and specifically say thank you to anybody who served in Vietnam or the Vietnam era. Because when you guys came home, as a matter of fact, there's stories that I got from Vietnam veterans that are in the book. The stories of the guy who got off the airplane, and back then they didn't have a gate. They had a tarmac, right? You right, got, went exactly, down the steps, yeah, yeah. And you walked down the tarmac, and anybody who wanted to greet you could be waiting along a fence for you to come walking off that airplane. Yeah. I talked to this Vietnam veteran. He was a Navy vet, uh, served on the Enterprise, was part of the fire crew. Well, when the Enterprise was on fire during the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. a lot of people might remember that historic moment. Yeah, he was actually, uh, I want to say he was a boiler's mate, and they locked, they sealed him in to the bottom of that boat. When the, you know, seal tight doors, right? You yeah. got airtight, watertight doors. Yep. He got sealed in, and he wasn't going anywhere until they got that. And, you know, he just sat there and twiddled his thumbs and waited for the boat to sink. But when he came home, he had saw, he came off, the, he's walking down the steps of the airplane. Uh, and he saw all these people waiting along that fence there, and he thought, wow, this is really cool. It's a surprise party. And then he got up there, and he got pelted with water balloons filled with urine. Oh, man. That story's in the book. And, you know, there's a lot of stories that are like that that are, there's, you know, there's just as many good stories as there. Actually, there's a lot more good stories. Uh, most of the stories are good. There's, that's, I think, about the only bad one. Yeah. Because uh, I, I wanted to keep the book something that would be uh, easy to read. Okay. Uh, and something that people wanted to read. And so far, th those are the, re the reports that everybody's been giving us. Okay. Um, that it's a, it's, it's a pretty good book. Well, sir, uh, listen, Anthony, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me here on the podcast. Uh, I know you were limited with time, and we just totally blew that out of the water. But <laughs> yeah, we did. So I got, I got people behind me pounding on the door. So I, I get it. Rolling. So I want to thank you very much for joining me. And uh, I will have all this taken care of. And you, we'll have this up. And I'll let you know when it's available. But again, thank you very much. And please, by all means, ride safe out there. And when you get close to New Jersey, let me know. I think we should do that. Absolutely, we'll, we'll sir. And do a, yeah, we'll come and do something in studio. Perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> right. okay. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Thanks for joining me and Anthony of the Gold Star Ride Foundation. You can learn more about the Gold Star Ride Foundation at www.goldstarride.org. Links will also be in the show notes and also on the Motorcycle Men website and MotorcycleMen.us on the links page. Say, don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, and vloggers out there whose links you will find on our links page. All of these media outlets and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and our passion. 
So from Timbuktu, Chris the Joker, Justin Shoes, and me, Ted Wrongway, your host, thanks for listening to the Motorcycle Men podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>